Uh, now, this is the final week of our We Are Here series. And in this series, uh, we've been talking about as a church, where are we right now? Uh, what has gotten us to this place? And then what are we just committing to as a church to grow in and try and be different? We've talked about aspects of serving. We've talked about worship, prayer, and sharing our faith. We've talked about all these different things. And it's all been within the context of we. Who are we becoming? And today I want to turn it just a bit on this final week. And I want to turn it to you and ask you the question, where are you? Where are you? And I want to ask it in a specific context. It's this, where are you in your devotion to God? Where are you? Now, I want to clarify what devotion means real quick, because some of the times within faith, people can get confused and think devotion to God means perfection. Uh, That's not the case. Uh, Devotion isn't about perfection. Devotion really is about loyalty and passion and commitment. Uh, I could say uh, 21 years ago, my wife and I got married. We just celebrated our 21st anniversary last month. And I would tell you, I am as devoted to her as ever. And I want to be devoted to her my whole life. Now, she would agree that I am far from perfect. She offered to come up here and list out all the ways that I have made mistakes. I told her that wasn't necessary. But I really, I've made tons of mistakes. I'm far from perfect. But I'm fully devoted to her. She's the love of my life. I want to be faithful to her all the days of my life. I want my passion today to be just as high as it was when we first got married. And I want it to stay that way until we're in the old folks' home sitting on a rocking chair. I'm fully devoted to her. Not perfect, but devoted. That's the kind of devotion I'm asking. How devoted are you to God? And really, three questions on this. When you think about your devotion, here they are. If you just got introspective and said, where am I when it comes to my devotion? Where am I? Where do I want to be? And how am I going to get there? And even in this time of introspection, if you could, I want you to imagine, if you could somehow get a gauge on this, just for your own devotion, and go from a scale of zero to 100, where are you in your devotion? Are you a little devoted, a little passionate, a little committed? Do you know, it's probably a 60, like more than half, It's pretty good. Or do you know, it's pegged at the top, 100% devoted. Where are you? Where do you want to be? How are you going to get there? And now one other aspect to this. If you're a Christian, that's really who I'm speaking to in this. If you're a Christian, if you've acknowledged your belief there is a God, there's a creator. If you've acknowledged you believe Jesus was who he said, it was the son of God, the savior of the world, the one who came to redeem all of humanity. Once you acknowledge that and you receive him as the leader and the savior of your life, you have to ask an additional question. It's not just where do I want to be, but you have to ask, what does God expect? If you were going to make your mark on this, if I just invited everyone in the room up, line up, where are you right now? What number would you give yourself? What X would you go? Here, here, here. And then what might God want for you? It's the question I want us to talk about. And does the Bible have anything to say about this, you might wonder? The Bible, again, is where we always go to for our source for guidance in our Christian life. We look to Scripture and go, what does it have to say? And when it comes to devotion, the Bible is crystal clear on what God expects for you and for me. One of my favorite verses on this, this is 2 Chronicles. It just says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. 
The image is so beautiful, isn't it? God, it describes, for all of history has been scanning humanity, every one of us, scanning our hearts to try to see, is there anyone out of this whole globe that's fully committed to me, fully devoted? God's looking for it. Bible describes he didn't do that once, but he continues to do that today, which means even in this room, God's scanning the room. Anybody here devoted to me fully? Anyone fully committed? God's great desire is that the people he created on this planet, the people he gave his son to redeem, the people he longs to be with, his hope is every single one of us are fully committed to him. You put this up there, say, what does God expect? He would say right here, 100% devotion. Anything down here, it just misses the mark. And that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, use my analogy when it comes to marriage. If you were getting ready to marry someone and you said, hey, how devoted are you to me? And the person said, I'm about a 40. You'd go, I'm not sure I want to get married, right? If the person said, you know, when we were dating, I was up here but I'm getting around in here. You probably have second thoughts. Exact same thing is true for God. His hope is that you would not settle for anything less than full devotion to him. That's what he's looking for. He's hoping for out of all of humanity, there would be a people who would just believe in him and commit themselves to him, that we would submit our agendas to him, submit our desires to him, submit our lives to him, and say, everything I have is committed to you, all I've got. And for that people to say, our desires, our whole life, we'd be right here, that we wouldn't settle, that we wouldn't be content with anything less than full devotion. And that verse has this really beautiful promise. It says that God's eyes for all of history are looking for the ones who are devoted. And then it says that God then comes alongside the ones who are devoted, comes next to them to strengthen them. And the idea is that once God finds a person, he just looks out in all this massive humanity, he goes, right there, that's a person devoted to me. It says that he wants to give blessings and, and surround you in ways to help you stay devoted. Those of you who are Christians who are passionate about your faith, my hunch is if you look back on your faith journey, you will see moments where people came into your life with words of encouragement or words of challenge. That there were moments in a sermon where you felt like God had something for you, exactly just for you. You felt like, man, heaven is speaking to me right now. Moments where your gifts were used and those things increased your devotion. They were devotion builders. The Bible describes that God doesn't view you as having to do this all on your own. He wants to come alongside you to help you, to lift you up so that you might stay devoted. That's his hope, that you and I, every one of us, would commit our self-devotion. He'd come alongside and keep us there. But there's a, a truth in this, isn't there? That some of the times we can get ourselves to a place where we're fully devoted, but then for one reason or another, our devotion starts to fade. The Bible describes this in another setting in the Old Testament. It's describing David. Now David, King David, uh, David, the Bible describes, was fully devoted his whole life. Far from perfect. Again, let me reemphasize. Devotion's not about perfection. David checked off the list some of the worst sins you can do. Far, far from perfect. But he was devoted. At the end of David's life, he realized he had to hand over his kingdom and his crown to a successor. And out of his kids, he chose Solomon. Solomon, who the Bible described, one of the wisest people on the planet, 
Solomon, who the Bible in the early days describes as fully devoted, just like his dad. And David hands him the kingdom, hands him the opportunity to build the temple, gives him all these great things. And then the Bible says, later in life something happens. It says this, that as Solomon grew old, his heart was no longer fully devoted. His heart just waned. His heart was no longer fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. Again, you get the sense, David, fully devoted all the way to the end, not perfect. Solomon, immensely wise, at one point way up here, and then something happens as he got older. The Bible describes he simply got distracted. Different people came into his life, different ideas, different philosophies, and his passion for God waned, his commitment to God receded, and his devotion dropped. And it's a horribly sad story that someone who once was so passionate, so used by God, lost all of that. But that isn't the only story. You see, this story continues that Solomon's lack of devotion, that decrease, didn't just impact him. It had devastating impacts for the whole nation. That whereas David, imperfect as he was, but devoted, there was prosperity. Solomon, towards the end of his reign, horrible things happened to the people of Israel because of this. And this has the other truth. Many times we can be deceived and think our faith is our own. doesn't impact anybody else. That's not true. Your devotion, the Bible describes, impacts other people as well. When it's sky high, it can lift up other people's spirits. And when it's low, it can lower others as well. Vulnerably with you, I spend a lot of time with people who aren't Christians. When I ask them, what's the barrier to you coming to faith? Do you know what the number one answer I hear today is? It's Christians. It's Christians who are down here. Christians they've known, and they look at them, and they go, that person claims the name of Christ. That person claims to be a Christian, but I don't see any difference between me and them. And so they go, why would I want that faith? Does this make sense to you? When a seeking world spends time around unpassionate Christ followers, they wonder, why would anyone do this? The opposite also true. You get somebody up here who is at 100% fully devoted, and something stands out about them. Seekers look at them and go, I don't know. They're a little weird sometimes, but I just want to figure out what that is. And even in the church world, if you're a Christian and you get around someone like this, you find your own devotion going up. And that's the truth. Each of us is required to put some effort to maintain our devotion. Here's the truth that Solomon should have learned. That if you get yourself to a place of full and complete commitment and devotion to God, if you're not attentive, your devotion wanes just naturally. There are distractions and other things that just pull you down. Again, back to the marriage analogy. For me and my wife, we have to have regular, ongoing disciplines, date nights, time together, conversations to keep our passion high. If we aren't attentive, our work and our family and all the other distractions just kind of pulls us down here. We have to intentionally put in effort to stay top devoted to each other. Make sense? Some of you marriage couples, by the way, best thing you can do in this is to walk out of here and go, hey, where are we as a married couple? Are we still up here? Have we allowed distractions? Do we need to start scheduling weekly date nights, regular nights where just the two of us go and talk? You have to put effort to stay up here. And the Bible describes the same is true for your devotion to God. 
that you've got to put intentional effort to stay here. Otherwise, your devotion naturally wanes and lowers. It takes devotion builders consistently in your life just to lift you up, to keep you up there. So let me come back to these questions. Where are you right now? Where are you? Are you down here? Are you somewhere in the middle? Are you pegged at the top? Do you go, I used to be pegged, but I'm a little lower now. Where are you? Where do you want to be? And you've got to settle this in your mind. You just go, am I going to, am I going to settle to be somebody down here? Is that okay? Or are you going to today go, nothing less than 100 is where I want to be. Where are you going to be? And what do you want? And if you say, I want to be here, what are you going to do to move yourself from a lower level all the way up to the top? What are you going to do? On this, some of the times people can have a desire to increase their devotion, but then they wonder, I don't even know how. It's like in the map, I don't know the direction to take. Now, there are some people in the world who simply struggle with directions. Anybody else here admit finding my way around might be a little difficult? Anybody? Yeah. My, uh, I, my, I have a child. She's not here right now. My daughter's this way. Uh, we discovered this early on that for some reason directions are difficult for her. And uh, at our town where we live, it's kind of a small town. And as the kids grew up and got to be a little older, got to ride a bike, we set for them an opportunity where they at a certain point could ride their bikes by themselves to the library. And this was like a big deal, right? They can go without mom and dad to the library. But we said you have to pass a test to do this. You have to take the whole family, all four of us, you have to lead the way with no directions to the library and then lead the way home. You have to demonstrate you know how to get there. My daughter was so excited. We had ridden bikes to the library so many times. She was ready for this. And she led the way. No, uh, no advice from anyone. Led the way all the way to the library. Made it great. Now, truthfully, there were only three turns, right? There's a left, a right, and a left. That's it. So this was not complex. So excited. Got our books. Spent time at the library. On the way home, I said, now you've got to lead the way home. And the very first turn, she took the wrong turn. She took a right. And then she got a little confused and she took another right. And then she got lost and she took another right. And then another right. At this point, my son, who's three years younger, pulled up next to me. And he said, she does realize that if you just go and write, you're doing a circle, right? <laughs> and I said, buddy, you're good at directions. Let's hang back. Let's let her figure this out. She continued to take rights, got immensely frustrated. And there was a point where she realized the goal she had, which was to demonstrate she could do this, she was failing. And I just settled her down and said, well, calm down for a second. Let's go back to the library, back where you know where you're at. So we rode back there, and I said, now, real quick, talk me through. How do you get home? She goes, it's a left, a right, and a left. I said, that's it. That's all you have to do. And the second time through, she did it perfect, left, right, left, found her way. See, some of the times in our life, we can get a little lost, and it becomes immensely frustrating when what we want to have, we can't get there. And some of the times, you just need a guide who's made the turns before, who can kind of help you. And if, as you're thinking about this, and you're like, I don't know how to get up to 100. I know that's what God wants, that's what I want, but I'm down here. Sometimes the best thing you do is find someone that you respect their faith. Find someone that, in your opinion, they're up higher than you, and just go to them and say, hey, my devotion's not where I want it to be. What would you do? How would you structure this? How do you stay passionate? Many times they can offer advice and guidance. 
Uh, my life, my time here at this church, one of the things I've loved is after 23 years at our church, I've had the opportunity to watch people for decades. One of the things I marvel at is the people who can maintain their devotion for long periods of time. And I love to learn from them. And if you get into their lives and you study them, you will see that they've put in devotion builders into their life, things that keep them passionate and committed. And there's many different ways. It seems like each of them has their own path, but it works for them. Uh, One of the women at this church that I most respect, she figured out years ago that serving was a pathway to stay devoted. It's a devotion builder. And it started with just a simple one-time serve, found she liked it, then she started serving regularly, And then something happened where internally it shifted and she realized her whole life will be devoted to serving. And she walks around her day with an antenna to heaven just saying, God, is there anybody in my life who needs a little help? Is there a neighbor? Is there a friend? Is there a coworker? And she'll ask questions to understand what the need is. And then she immediately responds to it, whether it's food or inviting people to stay in her home. She's even amazing. She'll bring people home that she meets at the grocery store because she's interacting with people at the grocery store to find out what they need. This, by the way, has never happened to me because when I go grocery shopping, I'm just getting groceries. I'm not meeting people. But she's wired up different. She looks at every opportunity as a chance to serve, and she just goes, God, if there's anyone I come into contact with, God, would you just give me supernatural eyes to see the need, and then I'll respond. And this raises her passion level up. It's the builder for her. You might be the same way. We talked earlier about these global serving trips. It's an opportunity any person in our church can go on, and many of us never do. And for me, I would tell you, the global serving trips have been a devotion builder for me. Uh, I tell you, going to Africa and spending time in rural parts of Africa and hearing them worship and sing, and the joy they experience, it just built my devotion. To sit with Christians in the Middle East who are caring for refugees, who are building communities and churches, it just built my faith. To sit in Guatemala and Latin America and to learn what they're going through, it built my faith. I go, this is something I need to keep me fully devoted. You might be the same way. And the best step you can take is just sign up for one of those trips. Get out of your comfort zone, take a risk, pray bold prayers, and just see a need. That can just build your devotion. That's serving. Another friend of mine, it's all about prayer. And when, you know, if you did a prayer inventory, some of you might go, yeah, I pray like uh, three times a year, right? Some of you go, yeah, I pray at meals. Is that all there is? There's a whole other group of people who their prayer life is this vibrant, ongoing communication with God, and it's their means of staying devoted. You see this in the Apostle Paul in the scriptures. He describes his prayer life as a, it's unceasing, meaning he never says amen. It's a constant conversation with God throughout his day. And he's constantly looking at things and talking to God and interacting, and prayer transforms him, you get the sense. That may be for you. You may need to read books on prayer or get involved in the prayer ministry or find a way to pray for others, but that may be your way to devotion. Another friend, his whole thing is worship, and he think he started here in the church service where he would worship here, but it grew from there, and he then shifted, and he said, I got to show up early at church, so I'm prayed up and ready to go, and the minute of the first note, I want to be singing and ready. 
And then it moved from there and progressed. And he said, now, I'm not just going to wor- worship at church. I want to worship throughout my day. And so if you go to his office, worship music's just playing quietly in the background. And at any point, he may just pause his work to just worship for a moment. He does get his work still done. That's the good news. But that keeps him devoted. What is it for you? Have you figured out your devotion builders that you're just going to put into your life? Uh, for me, you may have figured it out. Best devotion builder for me is my time with people who are far from God. When I'm in a relationship and a friendship with someone who's trying to figure out what they believe, my prayer life jumps. My dependence on God is sky high. I'm consistently, even when I'm with them, praying, God, is there anything you want me to say? Is there a question I should ask? God, help me say the right things, and God, keep me from saying the wrong things. I'm trying to think, through. is there anything I can invite them through? My small group, a church service, an event. Is there anything I could invite them to that they might... Be sparked to have a conversation on. And then I tell you, there's nothing like that moment when I'm sitting across from someone and I realize, I think they're going to come to faith right now. And you have this moment where as they're talking, you're praying going, God, is, is this it? What do you want me to say? Or the chance to stand in the water and baptize them. Oh, it's one of those devotion builders. You look at my calendar and they're set apart. These are meetings that I have to have because it keeps my faith sky high my devotion high. Do you have devotion builders in your life? I'll just tell you, if you're at a place where you go, I don't want to be here, I got to go to there, you need to start identifying what are the devotion builders you're going to put into your life that will keep you way up here and keep you from falling down. That's on you. Every one of us has to do this. If you want to be here, you have to prioritize the aspects and the things that build up your devotion. Last thing, I started this and I said, we're going to talk about you as an individual. We've been talking about as a church, but talk about you as an individual. But there's one other aspect of devotion you have to capture, and it's this. Your devotion is not a solo sport. You have to take ownership of your devotion with God. But your devotion impacts everyone else. And as the church was started and the Bible was written about the church, you realized That God wasn't just looking for an individual whose heart was fully committed to him. He was looking for a community who together would say, we're all in this. We're going to encourage each other, lift each other up. We want to be devoted to each other. And some of the writings in the New Testament were to the church to try to encourage them to stay there. That already some of the churches even had started to dim as a whole. They were no longer here. And so many of the scriptures written to the church, those letters, were trying to encourage them. Hold each other up. Stay here. Encourage each other. One of them is in the book of Hebrews, and it says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. He's just saying, keep your commitment high. Don't go to the left or to the right. Stay on the straight and there. Hold your hope unswervingly. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit, but encouraging one another. See, the author of that, he's saying to the church, don't settle, don't stop, don't give up and give in. Keep working together and understand your devotion impacts each other. Your devotion has the chance to lift up someone else's. Hold each other that standard, encourage each other, lift each other up. Be intentional about your personal devotion and then be intentional about helping, loving, and caring for each other. And his idea is very simple. It's this, is that you... Your devotion rubs off on the others and you can intentionally choose to lift somebody else up or the opposite's true. 
Willow, can I talk to you for a second? I have high hopes for this church. I look forward, I think God has great things in mind, but the central question I have for you is, will we as a church settle to be a church down here? Will we just settle and go, eh, it's good enough? Will we go, oh, I don't know if I have the energy, the effort to get up here. Where are you? Small groups. One of the great questions I got for every small group is, will you just be a good small group? Will you just be a nice small group? Will you settle for that? Or will you be a group of people who are committed to going, we're, we're going to hold each other to this. If I'm going to put the time in, I don't want to settle for anything. I want to help encourage you, challenge you, lift each other up. And I want you to do the same for me. What kind of small group will you be? What kind of church will we be? Families, what kind of family will you be? Will you be a family? You go, our devotion's here. Or do you go, no, no. We've got to take some intentional steps to raise our whole devotion. We want to be way up here. My hope, my hope is that we never settle. That we go eyeball to eyeball, every single one of us to go, whatever we can, we're going to encourage each other. We're going to love each other. We're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to challenge each other. We're going to celebrate every movement possible towards full devotion. We'll cheer each other on. We'll commit each other to each other and just say, we're in this together. Everything we've got for God, for each other. I believe we can do this, and I have hope that we will. Don't you? That's the dream. So it comes to you. Where are you? Where do you want to be? And what are you going to do about it? We commit to each other this way. We talk about this. I think God's going to do great things.